think that's a good enough intro. What do you think? I think so. <laughs> I think that'll work. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Crossroads Podcast from Iowa Baptist Church. It's been a while since I've done that. Uh, I'm Travis here with Ethan Jago to discuss and answer difficult questions that young adults face uh, concerning Christian life. Ethan, how you doing, man? I'm good. It's uh, it's nice to be back, and hopefully people can hear your voice through your beard and your mask right I now. I think so. I think but so. We, uh, we took a break because... Um. Well, I my family got COVID. Yeah, and so that took us out for about two weeks. Yeah, uh, and uh, it was interesting. So I had it first, and it kind of crept in as a headache, mm-hmm. aches, and I was like, man, I just I just thought I was exhausted. You know, like that yeah. just fatigue. And Diane's like, oh, no, I think you're fine. You know, and I was supposed to teach a class Wednesday night at church. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just don't feel up to it. So I, I didn't. And I'm glad I didn't because the next day I decided to go get tested and I popped positive. Yeah. So now fast forward two days after that, Diane came down with it. Mm-hmm. Me and her, <laughs> because you're just so exhausted. Oh, yeah. We're laying in bed while the kids, because the kids haven't gone back to school. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of doing their own thing. And I, I leaned over to Diane. I go. You've seen the movie Mad Max, right? <laughs> and she's like, yeah. I was like, how much do you want to bet that there's Mad Max happening in the house? Like alliances are being made. They're sharpening up their toothbrushes. Oh, yes. Thunderdomes are being erected. And oh, yes. it, it was awful because like me and her would have to swap out to mm-hmm. like try and get food ready for the kids. And then my son really stepped up. But then they all got it too. Yeah. Um, but then what I'll say is that it was awesome, dude. The church stepped up and people were dropping food off at our door. Good. And helping us out, but it was not fun. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. Yeah. So that's why we haven't had a podcast. For those wondering, uh, I've had several people write and be like, "Hey, when is the next podcast?" We've been out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I'll say there was a week before that that we missed. That's true. <laughs> so not all Ethan having COVID. So, Fair enough. Yeah, there, there, there was that week that we missed, but just yep. sometimes our schedules yeah. didn't yeah, align. Yeah, sometimes they get off. But well, cool. How's life been with you, man? It's been good. It's been good. Um, yeah, I'd say it's been pretty good. It's been it's been normal. Like, you know, just normal. Now, your son's not old enough to go to school yet, right? Right. Okay. Because how old is he? He's three. Okay. So Yeah, we still got a couple more years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yep. It's uh, we missed those two uh, tropical storms, which is nice. That was nice. Fred was excellent weather, actually. Like, it was nice here. and cool. Like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't bad. And then we just recently also Olive had a great concert by Shannon Shane. Mm-hmm. Which did you get a chance to make it to that? I did not. Okay, no, I went home and took care of my kid that night and uh, just kind of chilled out. Look so. at you being the responsible dad. I know, right? I wanted to go, but then I was like, well, my wife's been my wife's had him all week, so I gave her a break. So. Yeah. Yeah. And her birthday was this weekend. So, oh, yeah. No, did you guys yeah. do anything fun? Uh, we drove up to Andalusia. That was fun. Where, where is that? So if you go north of Pensacola, about an hour and a half, you'll hit uh, Conecuh State Forest. Okay. And uh, we actually we drove into Andalusia, but we spent a lot of time in uh, at the Conecuh State Park. Cool, so man. That was fun. That's a, yeah. that's a good time. Just there was nobody there. <sighs> It was empty. We had a whole lake to ourselves. It was fantastic. Man. Well, that's awesome. I mean, uh, we post COVID, we've just been getting back our strength and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So we haven't done anything fun. But next week, Crossroads comes back August the 24th. We start back up Tuesday nights and we're going to be studying the book of Philippians. 
And so today what I thought would be good is uh, I was writing Travis earlier today is talking about personal devotion time. Yep. Um, I've had a lot of people come up and talk to me saying, you know, I, I'm approaching scripture and uh, I walk away feeling not as good as I thought I would, or I'm not sure how to structure my time. I'm not sure how much time to spend. What is the appropriate amount of time? Mm-hmm. And when I do approach scripture, it's it's I feel like I'm just reading words. And yeah. so that's what we're going to talk about. And then I'm going to kind of show an approach that I like to do as I'm reading scripture as to apply a uh, an interpretation method on how to really get to understand the concept of the text. And the first thing I want to talk about and kind of you and me discuss, Travis, is do you did I think there's an often a misconception of devotions or devotional time. Yeah. And I'm not sure if we've talked about this or not before in the past, but what I have seen a lot on social media, especially is people uh, kind of taking photos of what their devotional time looks like. And it kind of sets this unspoken of standard as to this is what your devotion time looks like. If your Bible doesn't have 17 different colors of highlighters and lines and pictures, and you illustrated something on the side, then you may not be doing a good devotion time. Yeah. Right. And and some people are really, really organized with their devotional time. I, uh, I'm not one of those people. Uh, I don't go through with a highlight. My wife does. She actually has a really, really like pretty Devo Bible that she uses. Yeah. Uh, and it's highlighted beautifully. Mine is like a bunch of notes in the in the margins and uh, papers all shoved into <laughs> it where I've, I've written down different things and notes and everything else. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do. I do think that's an unhealthy standard kind of to apply to. If I can't be all organized, then I can't do it. Well, and that's the thing. Like, if you highlight it in journaling and mm-hmm. kind of illustrating on the side as your thing, that's fantastic. But by no means, that's the standard of what it has to be. Yeah. Um, and I think often we we always, expect, this is just social media, we fall into this comparison trap all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I follow so-and-so or I heard from so-and-so that they spent two hours or that they did this or they did that. And I guess I'm not being a good Christian because I didn't do it like that or to that extent or for that duration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I just think that spirit of comparison is not good. I no. think that spirit of comparison also is kind of undermining the intentions of devotion. So mm-hmm. like when you think of the, the the word devotions, typically, and correct me if you disagree, it's just people spending time alone with God. Yeah. And what does that look like? for people. I think that can look a lot of different ways. I think I think it can look like Bible study. Uh, I think it can look like I think it can look like devoted prayer time. I think it can look like um you know, even like just rehashing your your pastor's message for the week and and going through it and and making notes about things that were talked about and uh doing that. Uh, I've had friends who part of their devotion during the week is they find uh, a pastor they like on YouTube, and they'll go through and like listen to different sermons that they preach throughout the week. Um, I can uh, some people do podcasts. It just depends. Uh, I do think you should have some Bible study mixed into that, some some sort of uh, theological study. Uh, but but overall, I think it can look like a lot of different things. It's really just time that you're devoting to the Lord. Yes, you're exactly right. It's it's you spending time. Uh, mm-hmm. the means may be different. Like what you just said, I think that's phenomenal is to identify it's, it looks different for everybody. Mm-hmm. And then now time and duration, would you want to throw a time limit on this? I wouldn't. 
Um, and part of that is because then you feel beholden to to stay to that time, and, and I don't think I don't think wasting time is scriptural. Uh, so I have this this very big not issue, but I have a little bit more of a um, what's what I'm looking for? A little bit more of a, a a standoff relationship with things. that's like oh well, I have to sit here another four minutes to get to my ten ten minute yeah. mark. <laughs> uh, I think that's wasteful. So I, I, I never do that. I, I've never done that. Well, I say that. I've done that before. I didn't like it. Uh, and when I don't have a time limit, I feel comfortable going 30 minutes if, if you know, I want to or if I feel the need to stay in the room for an hour, like hashing over a passage of scripture, like I feel comfortable doing that because there is no time frame to be holding to. Now, I do schedule times to do it. Yeah. That's a little different. And like, so. Yeah, we're distinguishing. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a time that you do it. What I'm mm-hmm. saying is, when you are in it, yep. we're not throwing out a exact time standard. And what I think yeah. you're saying is to sum it up is we work to the standard, not to the time. Uh, right. I think working to the time for time's sake is wrong. Mm-hmm. If I work to the standard, the standard though, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit is uh, the standard is what I'm working towards. The standard yeah. is what I'm looking to accomplish, not achieve, accomplish. Yep. Now with that too, like you just brought up, you must carve out a time in the day yes or the approach in which you do it um to be intentional about it you must be intentional uh, about your devotional time or your alone time with god Mm -hmm. if you're not intentional and you're just thinking when the opportunity presents itself i'm going to do it i most of the time you're not going to find that time what's that old adage uh if you don't own your time your time will own you Mm-hmm. something like that yeah so so really like if if you don't if you don't carve out that time like you were saying then you'll find yourself being like oh well i don't have time today or oh well the hours just kind of slip by and then i reached the end of the day and never really got an opportunity you just have to make that opportunity well and a lot of times i hear the the problem of like well ethan i'm filling blank with whatever qualifier i don't have that time to do this mm-hmm. and if you actually sat down and wrote out, and I had this one individual do this, I said, write out from the time you wake up, starting at the time, exactly, give an account for every hour. Mm-hmm. And you will quickly see that you do have time and mm-hmm. you can compound that time. Now, granted, what some people I've heard suggest is you carve out a two-hour block for that. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do that. And again, that's again, working towards the time, not the standard. I block out a time in the day in which I'm going to do it that I give myself ample opportunity uh, to to spend time in God's word. I'm not going to say, okay, from 10 o'clock to 10.05, I'll be in God's word. Now, if that's the only time that I have, I'm going to do that. But by no means do you need to carve out an entire gigantic two-hour block. And you actually said something too earlier that I 100% agree with. I've got a 30-ish plus minute commute every single day to and from work. Mm-hmm. I have a chunk of my devotional time in that, in that mm-hmm. I hear the word of God being preached by a, a preacher or I'm listening to, there's a, a phenomenal on Spotify, the book of Acts being uh, kind yeah. of spoken. Yeah. Uh, and there's other ways in which I'm listening and I'm having time in devotion and alone with God, or I'm listening to music or I'm praying as I drive or I mean, fill in the blank. And then I do that most of the time to and from work. So that's a 30 minute way each way that I have Mm -hmm. time. Now on top of that, what I like to do too though is I truly need to spend time in God's word. 
Um, listening to sermons and podcasts and audiobooks, that's fantastic. And you can grow in that. Yep. But you need to let the word of God dwell in you richly. And the only way that it will dwell in you richly is if you are actually being a partaker and a reader of scripture itself. Yeah. I used to tell my students, you know, we all, we always use that adage of like, oh, if you want to, if you want to save money and like, uh, put it towards missions or whatever, you know, a coffee every day costs like, five dollars yeah you know well a coffee every day also costs you 10 minutes of sitting in a drive-through true and if you skip that 10 minutes and you head on into work earlier you head to school early or whatever it may be you can sit in your car for 10 minutes a day and have a 10 minute devotional that's not long but the practice of doing that becomes more and more so and you're you're right you you're making time and what i would what i like to encourage everyone is as long as you're doing it, mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah. Uh, regardless of the amount of time, like hopefully that time as you continue to make this into more of a habit uh, and you start to uh, enjoy it more, that time will extend. Yeah. Because uh, like, especially anytime you start something new, it's the hardest thing to turn that newness into a habit. It is. Or to turn that into something that you enjoy, especially if you're not good at it. Yes. Right. Especially if you're not good at it because- if you start doing something and you realize, man, I'm really not that good at it, there's a tendency for you to want to quit. Yeah. And a great example I like to do is I love jujitsu. I do jujitsu uh, at least two to three times a week. Sometimes if I ha- can more, sometimes less. And a lot of times when we get new students coming in, uh, they start out and they start out strong and motivated. And then as they start to do what we call rolling, where you're just practicing your techniques, it's not working for them. Well, they're brand new at it and they get upset and they end up leaving because they, they're like, well, I'm not good at this. So why do I want to continue to do something that I'm not good at? Mm-hmm. Think about anything in your life that you've had to work at. Uh, you, you, none of us start out, like some of us do have natural talents and gifts and others, we have to work a little bit harder, but eventually you get to a point in which you have to put in the time to get better at it. And as you do that, you start to enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. So the one thing I want to say is uh, a couple of different things is, one, make time. No matter how long it is, you have to make the time to spend time in God's word. Number two, you've got to be intentional with it. So let's just say I make the time and I carve out a large pound amount of time and I've spent, let's just say, 40 minutes in God's word. Mm-hmm. I shut the Bible and I'm like, I don't know what I really got out of that. I think a lot of people can relate to that is I read scripture and myself included and I don't know what I just like, okay, cool, whatever story I just read. And it never kind of breaks through the surface level of my cognitive thinking or mm-hmm. it just is like there. It's existing in some kind of space in my head. And then eventually I turn on the radio or I do whatever else and I completely forget anything that I just read and I don't allow it to permeate. So what I love to do is I've just always been a big, uh, I don't know. I always loved the game hide and seek. Uh, mm-hmm. I enjoyed, uh, you know, going into some of these old Civil War forts and stuff like that, that I could potentially find or discover something that no one has. And then that movie National Treasure came out. Oh, yeah. You know, Nick Cage. I mean, they're making these crazy. It's my wife's favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie, but they make these crazy connections. Is like, mm-hmm. okay, we look at the wall, wall, Wall Street, Wall Street, Street. Street tacos, tacos, the letter T. The letter T stood for Booker T. Washington. That yep. is the stat. And they're like, 
what? It's like, what's happening it, right yeah, now? <laughs> that, I mean, that's the whole movie. If you haven't seen it, yeah. I mean, I don't know where you've been living. But you're being intentional about your approaching and you're seeking out, you're harvesting the treasure within. And so what I like to, and I want to encourage everyone listening is when you approach scripture, one, don't pay, play Bible roulette and open it and just pick something. Yes, do a Bible plan. Yes, mm-hmm. that's great. But what I love to do, and I have so much enjoyment in doing this, is I go to the scriptures with intentions of, I want to find out what this passage is saying. Mm-hmm. If the scriptures are inexhaustible, which they are, and I can always find, and as the Spirit illuminates truth to me, I can always come to new understandings and practical applications, I want to find that. Uh, so the thing that I want to do is, first off, is pray, God, please illuminate and show me the text. I seek understanding. Please reveal this to me. Then the next thing I do is I approach the text from an a uh, an explorer standpoint. Does that make sense? So yeah. uh, I'm going to see what this passage has to say. I try to leave my misconceptions at the door. I try to approach the text uh, as openly as I possibly can without me, okay, yeah, I know the story of Exodus, you know, whatever. I'll, no, let's see what the passage has to say. Um, I like to always read up on the context of the passage. So I want to know who wrote it, when was it written, and then also kind of the the framework as to why was it even written in the first place. Because hmm. uh, every single thing that's written in the scriptures was written for a specific purpose, with a specific audience in mind for a specific reason. And if I can get to know that, one, that makes it exciting. Doing a Google search. Okay, why was the book of Philippians written? Okay, who wrote it? Where was it written from? What was the dates? And who was it written to? And you get that and you're like, oh, this is cool. Like I kind of have a little bit more insight as to what was going on at this time. And then now I got that. Then I jump into the text. So if you don't know where to begin, uh, begin with the first chapter of that first book and then let the text speak for itself. Uh, Because there's an issue a lot of people do when they approach the text is they eisegete, meaning read into the text, instead of exegete, meaning extracting out of the text what the text says. Mm -hmm. So imagine, Travis, I'm trying to find something that supports, uh, I don't know, that the beach is the best location to do the devotions in. So I'm going to find a passage in scripture that meets what I want it to meet. And I find this passage of the disciples coming up and Jesus was on the beach cooking them food. Ha, see, that's because Jesus enjoyed the beach. Therefore, I need to be doing my devotions at the beach. I've just now read into the scripture passage what I wanted to read in. And instead, I've missed the intent of the author. I am misappropriating that passage to mean something that it does not mean, mm-hmm. which in my opinion is a very dangerous thing to do. Oh, yeah. The most dangerous thing we as Christians can do is misappropriate the text to mean something that it doesn't mean. Yes. So what I want to do is I want to show you guys how I do this practically. Uh, if you're driving in your car, you may not be able to do this right now. Uh, do this when you get home. Uh, but I want us to look at John chapter 10. Uh, let's look at John chapter 10. And as we look at this, uh, I want you to see how you can approach scripture and how you can look at it in this specific way, uh, looking to harvest the gems out of this text. So I'm reading from the ESV. I'm in John chapter 10. I'm going to be starting in verse one. Now, if you look at your Bible, you see here bold things. It says, I am the good shepherd. So immediately now it kind of focuses my mind into what this the context of this passage is going to be. Uh, this is one of the gospels, uh, especially if you know what the book of John is um, and you know what it was written for. This helps you as well. So I'm going to start in verse one. Truly, truly, I say to you, 
he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Let's hit pause right there. If you look at this text very quickly, it's easy to just skip over this and be like, okay, whatever. Yeah, I get it. But now let's talk about this in an actual practical standpoint. What is Jesus saying here? This is Jesus talking. Well, one, he says, truly, truly. So I see a repetition of words, which highlights that this is important. Now let's look at the next one. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. What Jesus is saying here, so if I look at it, what is a sheepfold? A sheepfold is a spot in an area in which first century Jews would hold, uh, or even first century Palestine, it was a spot to hold the actual sheep. And the only way that the sheep would enter into this sheepfold is by the door. However, what Jesus is saying is, who doesn't enter into that door, which means they are welcome and they're open and they're supposed to be there, they will enter in in another way. And in this instance, he is saying that they climb in by another way. Jesus is identifying that person who does not come in through the right way, that person is a thief and a robber. Is this making sense? So as you look at that, like that you miss out on if you just breeze through this, like whatever. Let's think about what is he actually saying within this text? Okay, so we see that we're talking about the sheepfold. Uh, we see that we're talking about sheep. Someone has entered into that storage area that does not need to be there. Because if they needed to be there, they would have been able to walk straight through the door with no problems. But the fact that they climbed in another way shows that they're not supposed to be there in the first place. All right, let's continue on. Verse two, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his <clears throat> own sheep by name and leads them out. So now we've got qualifiers. He who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. So now we see that this person or this individual who entered into that sheepfold is not a part of that flock, is not a part of that community, if you will. And the only one who enters into that door is the shepherd of those sheep. And how do I know that? Well, because only the shepherd will go in there because in verse three, it says the gatekeeper will open that gate. And now here's what's very interesting. The sheep hear his voice and his, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So what does that mean then for the individual who climbed in another way? Will they hear the voice of the shepherd? No. No, because they did not enter in by the way of the gate. Mm -hmm. So now we're seeing a, a distinction here being made, right? The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, verse four. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. So now we see here, granted this is speaking slightly in a metaphorical language, but also in a literal sense, is the shepherd brings them out on his own. He leads them, he goes before them, and the sheep who belong to that shepherd will follow him. The way in which Christians follow Christ, the sheep follows the shepherd, we follow Christ. Why? Because we are his and we know his voice and we know and can distinguish his voice from other voices. And we'll get to that here in a second. Hmm. Now, in verse five, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. So that just qualifies to support my assertion in that when he has brought them all out on his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. I always like to ask the question, why and how do I know that? Well, if the sheep follow him, that means that they belong to him. And how do I know that they belong to him? Verse three, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his sheep by name. That tells you that the shepherd knows the sheep by name, calls them out. The sheep hear and respond to the voice of their shepherd and will go out and follow him. Mm -hmm. 
The non-shepherd will not know the sheep by name. The non-shepherd will not be able to call them out. And the sheep will not follow the non-shepherd. And then you look in verse 5, this substantiates that truth claim. Yep. Verse 5, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And in verse 6, we kind of come to the crux of this. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So here's a, here's a question I like to ask then. Wait, who's them? We just saw verse 6, but they did not understand what he is saying to them. Again, I don't need to skip over this. I want to know who is Jesus talking to? Who is the author John writing this about? And who was this interaction? Because we now know that there is an interaction between Jesus and somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it's not just one person. It's more than that. So here's what you do. Verse chapter 10 starting, I don't get that. So I want to look at the context immediately before. If you skip up, just move up in your Bible, look at chapter 9 and look at verse 40. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things, and he said to him, are we also blind? Ah, here we go. So who is Jesus speaking to? Who is the them? The, the Pharisees. Pharisees. Yep. And I wouldn't have known that unless I went back into Scripture and I looked. And actually, if you jump in even earlier than that, I mean, you've got multiple iterations, especially if you're like, well, how do I know that it's actually the Pharisees that he's speaking to? Look all throughout chapter 9, and you see so many different instances. You see in verse 16. You see in verse 13. Uh, you see in so many other verses, he's speaking with the Pharisees. So in verse 6 of chapter 12, Jesus used this illustration to them, but they did not understand as he was saying this. So verse 7, Jesus kind of ups the ante here. He starts off again, truly, truly, I say to you, again, focusing their attention that what he's saying is very important. I am the door of the sheep. Oh, okay. Now we're getting more mm. context at the beginning about the door and who enters into the door. I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. So in verse eight, Jesus is saying, anyone who has come before me and has claimed to be the shepherd are incorrect. Mm -hmm. They are thieves and robbers. Now, we do know that scripture, if I know my scripture, says that there have been many antichrists. There mm -hmm. have been many other individuals who have come before, and Jesus is qualifying that I am different than all of them because they know my voice and they follow me. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So now Jesus has now brought home what is he talking about in the sheepfold and in any other way by entering the door. He is the gatekeeper. The door is the gift of entering into a relationship of salvation with him. And the one who controls that is himself. Mm -hmm. He is the one. And anyone that enters in any other way, one is not really in it and they're a thief and a robber. And we're going to get that qualification here in a second. Now, verse 10. Well, what is it that person does in verse one that we see who does not enter in the sheepfold? Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He is now qualifying himself back from verse, where's it at? Verse eight saying, look at the difference between me and everybody else. Anytime hardship happened against these other false teachers, these other false antichrists, what did they do? They left because they weren't his sheep. Mm -hmm. The difference between me and these other individuals is that I am not a hired hand. I am here. 
I am going to stay here because I am the good shepherd, verse 14. I know my own and my own know me. And we see that this is so deep theologically in this passage about Jesus being the good shepherd. Jesus, in verse 11, laying down his life for the sheep, which is a distinct difference between these false teachers and himself. Mm -hmm. He has possession of the sheep. He is the one that is leading them. He is the one that is speaking them. He is the gatekeeper of allowing people to come to him. And so what's interesting, I, I could continue on in this, but this is interesting and exciting on how you can approach scripture in this way. Yeah. You just look at it, you take it verse and you stop. Okay. What is this verse saying? What is this verse? If I take this in a literal sense, which that is how we need to interpret scripture. What is this literally saying? Mm -hmm. How can I envision what he is saying? And I may need to even get some context. Well, what is a sheepfold? Do a quick Google search, do this and that. And so this is just a, a short, quick hermeneutical approach on understanding the deeper content and concept of the message. So that is how I enjoy doing it. And it is so exciting as you're making these connections and you're asking why, how, qualify this, how do I know this? And then it gets answered later on, or I may need to look uh, a chapter before, or I may even need to look a chapter after, or I may need to look a few chapters within yeah. that context of the book. And so. That is just, I just wanted to break this down for everyone just so you could follow along and see how you should be approaching scripture in your own time. Because if you do it this way, I, I promise you, like that time flies by mm -hmm. because it's exciting. It's fun. You're discovering and you're making connections. And I'm not reading into these connections. The scripture is speaking for itself because I can substantiate and back what I am seeing and what I am reading by scripture qualifying and answering those questions that I'm asking as I go through. And it's self-fueling too. Like you, you, you'll find yourself running out of time and then being like, okay, now I have more questions about other sections of scripture. And then you're making notes and you're going back the next day and it just begins to fuel itself like a you, consistent you're, thing. You're right. And what I love too about this is as you're doing this, write this down. Mm -hmm. So John 10, okay, Jesus is the shepherd, this and this and this. He's talking about this because what I see happen often is as I'm reading something in my devotion and then I'm interacting with somebody and they ask me a question, I'm like, oh, wait, dude, like, let me show you in John chapter 10, it answers this mm -hmm. question. Uh, this could answer so many different theological levels of problems or issues that people may have yeah. is you do it this way and it's fun. I, I love doing this and I love to show how other people can do this. And the only way you get better at it is by pro track practicing and trying, mm -hmm. you know? So that's what we wanted to talk about today is just to give you guys some practical take home ways of getting God's word and then also making sure that you're actually in God's word at all. Yep. You know, well, very cool, man. What a great breakdown of that verse and a great breakdown of how to like break that verse down. Yeah. So. Lots of breakdown going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add? Nope. Uh, we'll be uh, hopefully getting another one of these out again next week. Yep. Um, yep. And we've got some Q&A that we'll be answering on that. And yeah. Hey, and you have been teaching a class on Wednesday nights, and I know you guys had to take a break. So what what have you done with that class on Wednesday nights? So night? we finished up that class. Okay, uh, cool. I taught through uh, classical apologetics. Yep. Uh, using R.C. Sproul's Defending Your Faith. And so, yeah, I had to take a week off in which I had my discipleship group come up and they did some practical exercises. And then the next week I zoomed in and taught. And then I finished up the last week 
uh, with the use of analogical language, which our next podcast, I want to talk about this because I cool. see this being a huge problem right now is language meaning more than what you're meaning it to mean, if that makes sense. So being very awesome. amb- shrouding words and ambiguity as to when I say bat, I'm thinking baseball bat, you're thinking flying bat, but I'm mm-hmm. never clarifying what I'm actually talking about. Mm-hmm. And that is a huge issue within the Christian world right now. So we'll be talking about that next week and how, in my opinion, this relates to deconstructionism. Cool. And you've recorded a couple of those, uh, the apologetics ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that is on uh, my website, uh, ethanjago.com, and it's on the watch section of that. Sweet. Awesome. Well, very cool. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to Crossroads Podcast. Crossroads is the premier young adult ministry in the city of Pensacola, and you can find out more at allabaptist.org slash youngadults. You can also DM your questions to the Crossroads Instagram at Crossroads at Olive, and we hope to see you there and see you next time for the Crossroads Podcast.